Hey, good morning, everybody. I don't know how good it is. It's miserable out there. I woke up this morning at uh, 4 o'clock, and um, as I was lying in bed, I was just thinking about... uh, been in ministry for a number of years, and I was thinking about some of the stories. I've got a million stories, so I won't bore you with all of them, but um, one in particular that I thought about as I was lying there trying to go back to sleep, and I couldn't go back to sleep, and um, I had a friend one time that asked me to Well, he came to me and he said, hey, look, um, can you come down to Bullfrog Corner, Mississippi, to a little church and just give your testimony and talk about your ministry? I said, sure, I'll be glad to do that. So uh, that was a, we were going down there on Sunday. So we went Sunday Sunday. we got there, I was to speak that night, so we, we went, we got there in the afternoon, and we pulled up, this church was just sitting out in a cotton field, a uh, couple of miles from the big city of Bullfrog Corner, and uh, we pulled up, and there was a huge banner across the front of the church. And I'm telling a very short version of this. But there was a huge banner that said, Larry Mc... Evangelist Larry McBee in revival all week. <laughs> so, you know, I think I'm going for Sunday night. Uh, so what happened after that is uh, pretty crazy, too. But that Sunday, after we left, by the way, there was, I think, that first night, there were 12 people there. And so, uh, after church, my friend and I went down to a local store, and as I was going in to uh, get something to drink, this toothless lady who was, had some, I'm assuming, skull in her mouth because it was running down the side of her face, she looked at me and said, you're pretty. So that was, that was my introduction to um, Bullfrog Corner. Uh, another story I thought about, um, I did youth work for 10 years. I'll, I'll say a little bit more about that in a minute, but... Um, there was a reporter for the Commercial Appeal, the local Memphis newspaper, that wanted to do an interview with me. So she came out. I was in Bartlett. She came out and um, did a newspaper article and also took a picture. So the article came out on a Saturday, and um, at, this was mid-'80s, so I had... Um, a bad mullet and a beard and so they took my picture and the picture was in the paper the article came out on a Saturday so that next day on Sunday a friend of mine called and said hey man turn on the radio this preacher is ripping you to shreds and I was like what the heck 
uh, and it was a local independent Baptist preacher, and he said that I didn't look like a Christian. I wasn't wearing clothes that looked like a Christian. So that's why I'm wearing my Christian clothes today, <laughs> just in case any of you were wondering about that. Um, so today, I'm doing a couple things. I'm going to look at my notes here. Um, so the service will be a little bit about me and how I got in ministry. It'll also be about you and how generous you are in supporting some ministries that I will also talk about here at the church. And then I'll end with uh, a short message about being servants. But before I do that, one last thing. Uh, some of you may remember our pastor... Uh, back when we were, it's been several months ago when we were doing, going through Genesis. And in one of the sermons, he used me as an example. And he referred to me in his sermon, let me see, I wrote it down, uh, an ancient artifact. <laughs> I don't know if y'all remember that or not. But he referred to me as an ancient artifact. So, uh, Scott's not here. He's down in Corinth, and so I figure he's hiding out because um, I wanted to mention something about that. Um, so, he got a good laugh out of calling me an ancient artifact, Scott, ancient artifact, um, but... He, what he didn't know was I had to seek counseling after that. First had to go to uh, a senior center. And then after that, I went to a couple of assisted living facilities to get counseling. I think I'm okay now. Or am I, Scott? Uh, well, I, was, I talked to Paul McDade uh, last week, and Paul said, you know, I, I don't know anything about how you, he got in ministry. And I said, well, all right, I'll talk about that some. So I had been working at a furniture store downtown. I worked there for 10 years, and while I was there, God had been dealing in, with me in a number of ways. And make a long story short, uh, I was talked into going to a church, and while I was there, I made a commitment to Christ, and so my life began to change, and I uh, eventually, after a year or so, I quit my job at the furniture store and went to work full-time for an organization called Youth for Christ. And so I worked for Youth for Christ for a year or so, and then we formed our own organization called Airborne Ministries. And it was a ministry of working with teenagers. So I worked with teenagers for 10 years in the Bartlett area, and some of my former teenagers are here today, and I thank you all for coming. Um, 
so that work was uh, absolutely wonderful time. We did all kinds of things, and uh, we were involved with the church. So when it, it was an outreach ministry, and when kids became Christians, then we would get them into the church. And so it worked really well for about 10 years. Um, you know, as uh, I grew in my Christian life and um, I, I felt like I needed to get outside the walls of the church. I felt like I needed to reach out more to non-Christian people because a lot of my friends were non-Christians, but I felt like I needed to do more than what I was doing. Instead of just going to church, I wanted to get out in the community and get involved. So the best way uh, that I found to do that, actually, um, I wanted to serve. So I heard a quote, and it, it says this. Non-Christian people don't always remember what they are told about God's love, but they never forget what they experience of God's love. And it made me think about, before I was a Christian, I worked all the time and I came home from work one day and my next door neighbor was a Christian and he had been talking to me and he, you know, he would witness to me and most of the time I had forgotten what he said within an hour. Then I came home from work one day, my, my lawnmower had broken, and so I came home, and here's my Christian next-door neighbor mowing my yard. And that really made an impression on me. That spoke to me a lot more than him just saying, Jesus loves you. And I'm not saying you shouldn't say that. I'm just saying his actions really spoke to my heart. Love in action or doing something touches people's hearts. So as I continued to grow in my faith and I began to study the Scripture, I came across James 1.22. Most of you know this verse, uh, but it became very important to me. Prove yourselves doers of the Word, not merely hearers who delude themselves. Delude yourself, meaning if you think that just hearing the word is all you need to do, you're deluding yourself because actually doing is very important. Now, throughout the scripture, verses about serving, uh, Ephesians 4.12, do works of service. Galatians 5.13, serve one another. Mark 9.35, be a servant of all. Matthew 20, 28, Jesus came to serve. Same thing, Mark 10, 45. 1 Peter 4, 10 through 11, serve others. Ephesians 6, 6 through 10, serve wholeheartedly. Uh, one of the great preachers of old, J.C. Ryle, said the world's idea of greatness is to have power but Christian greatness consists in serving. So, what are some results of serving? 
people are more apt to hear what you say when you're serving them. When you serve, hearts are touched. When you serve, you redefine the perception of a Christian. So as time went on, and um, I got involved in a number of different opportunities to serve. Uh, the church that I was at, we got involved with uh, VBS in the inner city uh, down at Lauderdale Courts, downtown Memphis. Um, we provided food, clothes, backpacks, Christmas gifts, Thanksgiving food for the inner city people. Uh, we did service projects in Bartlett, and then we started the Navajo ministry. So that came about in 1990. I watched the movie Dances with Wolves. I don't know if any of y'all have seen that. It's a great, great movie. But what it did, it showed me how badly Native Americans have been treated. So I began to study a lot about modern reservations and what was going on uh, on the reservations. So as I looked at that, I thought, wow, man, I wonder how we can, how can we figure out a way to go out west and actually get involved somehow? So I didn't know anything. I didn't know how to go about doing that. So I called John MacArthur. John MacArthur is one of my favorite pastors. So I called his church and asked them, how I might do that there in California. So he put me in touch, not him, but one of his staff put me in touch with uh, an organization that sends people to the reservation. So that first year, we actually did that. First year we went, we went down in the Grand Canyon horseback and stayed down there for a week working with the Havasupai tribe in the Grand Canyon. Then we came out for a second week and went to the Hopi tribes up in northern Arizona. Following year, we went for a week with the Hopis, and then we went for a week with the Navajos. And that's kind of how it all began, is going uh, that first year in 92 with the Navajos. We've been going back ever since. This year was our 30th year to go. And when I came here, I've been here about 11 years. So when I, I came here, I told Scott that I was involved with a ministry to the Navajos. And he said, man, that is absolutely great. We want to come alongside you and help in any way we can. And so through the years, Refuge Church has done that. Uh, this church has done all kinds of things, raised thousands of dollars. Uh, we've provided Christmas gifts over the last 11 years. You took part in that this year through um, the gift cards. Uh, we have supplied food, backpacks. Uh, we used to go twice a year. We'd go in the wintertime, but the weather was so bad we had to stop doing that. But we've supplied coats and 
year before last, we, through Refuge, supplied 7,000 cans of food. We went church, raised the money. We went out to Albuquerque and bought food and then took it out to the reservation and gave it out. And we still have, even right now, every month, you, Refuge Church, supply a food truck from the Albuquerque Food Bank, and we feed about 100 Navajo families every month because of you here at Refuge Church. Um, Do we have the video? I don't know if we've got that set up or not. Somebody let me know back there. You know? No? Okay, don't have it. All right, we, we had a video of a little bit of um, what we did this past year. We helped build a, a house for a Navajo friend. And uh, my skills are very limited, so... I was used going back and forth from uh, our place out on the reservation. This was in New Mexico where we were working, going back and forth between there and Albuquerque, picking up supplies and and doing various things. But there were seven of us this year, and we uh, got a lot of work done on this uh, house and we will continue, we will go back this year and work on it this year too. Um, and I'm going to talk a little bit more about how you can get involved in some things here. But let me, uh, I, want, I want to read some ministries that are going on here. Uh, in case you don't know, we have a benevolence ministry. And Blake Arnold kind of heads that up, um, and you would not believe the number of people that come here every day seeking help from the hotels around here, people that may be just, you know, driving down the expressway and pull in and see our church. And through the years, we have, gosh, we have given thousands of dollars to help different people. Um, So we've got that. You can get involved in that if you want. Uh, Paul Dacus with the youth. uh, I know this summer they had a a, a service, some service projects that they worked on. Paul and I have talked about the youth going out on the reservation and doing vacation Bible school. So we're going to work on that, hopefully, for the future. The GC groups, uh, our GC group recently replaced a porch on a house, and uh, there are GC groups do several things. I know some of you have helped people move various things. You can do that through your, your GC group. Uh, the Recovered Ministry, um, David and Landon, uh, the next one is the 26th, is that right, David? 26, uh, Kevin and Beth Page are going to be here. Uh, I would urge all of you, if you get a chance, come to this. Uh, it, it's a great ministry that's 
going on through the church here. Have another ministry called Grace Group with Jerry and Sue Ann, and uh, it's something else that we do. Uh, as you know, the Thanksgiving this year, we were able to provide food for some needy families. Um, and then, as I said, the, uh, the Navajo ministry. Um, so I had this video. Uh, after we finished building this house or working on this house, I was going back and forth, and I knew about this family that lived in one of the poorest areas of the reservation. So I went by there on my way to Albuquerque, and I stopped, and there was... I noticed a tent out in front of this house, and there were a couple little kids that were walking around, and one of the little, there was a little girl, and so I I called her over to me, and I said, "Um, so who's living in the tent? And she said, me and my mom and my three brothers and sisters. So there was a two-man tent in front of this house that was the mom and dad of the young lady that was living there. She had left her home. She had been abused by her husband and moved into this tent. So there were five of them living in this tent. And to this day, I don't know how they even were able to move around. They were just packed in there. It was hot, um, so when I got to Albuquerque, uh, we, by the way, we had, we had taken a 10-man tent with us just in case we had some friends who might want to come and stay with us, so we had this brand new 10-man tent. So when I went to Albuquerque, I got sleeping bags, air mattresses, fans. Uh, they, they had it where they could plug into the house that was nearby. And so we got all of this stuff for them and set up the tent. And so they had a comfortable place to live during the summer. Um, so the cool thing about that is those gift cards that you bought this year, you had 60 gift cards for Christmas gifts. We were able, through our uh, friend, we have a lady who's sort of a liaison that sets everything up for us, and we send the cards to her, and she distributes them out. So she took some of those cards and gave to this family that was in the tent. So thanks to Refuge Church, those kids had a Christmas this year that they probably haven't had in their entire lives. Um, So I want to read something here for you. When you serve, service supersedes emotions, color of skin, race, social status, other belief systems, everything, because serving is the essence of the Christian life. It is representing Jesus, because he said, 
For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. Mark 10, 45. That's a pretty awesome verse of Scripture there when you think about it. Jesus came to serve. Um, I really want to thank Refuge for all that you do throughout the year, uh, that we've been able to keep that uh, truck going every month to feed a hundred families is just incredible. Um, The opportunities that you have come up all the time, and sometimes you you miss them. Um, I I have tried to be able to be aware of the places I go. Uh, Let me give you an example. Uh, I go in a Walgreens out in Bartlett that's near my office, and... Everybody in there knows me. I I go to Walgreens every day, just about. I get a newspaper or or, uh, prescription or something. So they all know me when I I go in there. And so I've gotten to be friends with a, a couple of ladies. And so I thought, gosh, you know, I don't like going to Walgreens, but they make it uh, a little bit more pleasurable when I go in because, you know, I mess with them all the time. I start in October saying, what are you going to get me for Christmas this year? And, of course, they always say, same thing I got you last year, which is nothing. But <laughs> we kid around with each other. And so this year I thought, you know, I'm going to get them, I'm just going to get them gift cards so they can take their family and go out to eat. Both of them were working on Christmas Day. And so uh, I went in there on Christmas afternoon and gave them the, uh, a Christmas card and those gift cards. Now, I'm not trying to pat myself on the back because, I mean, without the love of Christ in, in my life, I wouldn't care. So... I just look for these little opportunities. I was in a, a, a stop to get some gas, and I, I went in and, uh, to pay, and I started talking to this guy, and he was, he was a pretty rough-looking guy. And so I told him about, uh, I started talking to him, and he told me he was struggling with uh, drugs and alcohol. And so I, I told him about the recovered ministry here. And... Uh, he wasn't able to go, but I'm still working on him to try and get him to come. You know, just little opportunities like that where you can serve in ways that just come up to you. Uh, uh, my friend Jeff, who's here today, who's a, a Bartlett firefighter, uh, Jeff made a call at this house and they were trying to get this older lady out of the house, and the porch was in such bad shape, it was about to cave in. And so he told me about it, it just a really simple thing. He made a call. He was concerned. He said, man, 
is there anything we can do? So we got a team together from here, the Refuge Church, and we went out. Uh, the lumber was $750. I told a couple of people, and the very next day we had the money to buy the lumber. And so we had people from here. We tore down the old porch, rebuilt, had a new one, and... So all I'm saying, y'all, is look for those opportunities. They're there all the time. It may be in Walgreens. It may be um, a grocery store, uh, whatever. Just look for that opportunity. Uh, Just back to um, the Navajos for just a minute. Um, I'm going to hang around. I'll be hanging around in here after the service. If any of these ministries interest you and you want to know how to plug in, uh, let me know. And also, um, we're always looking for people to go on the Navajo trip with us. But I, I want to read, I, I got this letter from a young Navajo girl. She was eight years old when we first started going that first year, and she had, there are 11 family members. They lived in poverty that uh, most of us, you you just wouldn't believe. Um, Those 11 people lived in a little small house about, gosh, I, I don't even know, maybe the size of half of the stage up here. Um, Some of them slept on the floor. They had probably six or eight old abandoned cars. Some of them slept in the cars. I mean, kids and teenagers living like that. And so I met she and two or three of her sisters I met at a vacation Bible school and started talking to them, and then I found out there was all these other siblings. And so I got to be friends with that family. And she was, uh, I think, eight or nine, uh, and now she has teenagers of her own, and she left the reservation, lives in Montana, and she sent me a letter, and Here's what she said. Um, She said, before meeting you guys, summer was just another summer. There was nothing to look forward to, but just another day that came and went until you guys appeared from nowhere. I don't know what it was about your group, but of all the missionaries that came, your group stood out the most. I don't know about everyone else, but for me, you guys showed me that you cared. You supported us, encouraged us, and made us believe in ourselves. The amount of love you have shown and given was good enough to give a child like me hope. You guys were welcoming, fun, a little crazy, but 
good crazy. <clears throat> At the end of the day, I always look forward to the next day. Just being in your company, your presence was and always is a blessing, more like a miracle. You were a godsend in my life and others as well. Thank you for everything. Um, I keep in touch with her as I do um, hundreds of others. So whenever you guys, whatever you do, whether it's money or sending clothes or, like I said, backpacks, uh, we may do that this year. I'm not sure. Um, whatever you do, it, it's not like, you know, we go out there and just do a quick mission trip and come home. We've built friendships like with this young lady that has lasted through the years. Um, we're talking 30 years of friendships. Kids that were little when we first started going, who now are adults, have their own families, and now we get to know their, their families. Uh, it is an incredible work, and it's, um, it's an amazing thing, and so we're so grateful to all of you for all that you do, not, not only with uh, the Navajos, but also... Uh, with these various ministries that we have available for you. So I encourage you today, be more than hearers, be doers, and you have a lot of opportunities to do that. We've got probably about 10 minutes, so uh, just wondering if anybody might have a question that you would want to ask about anything. I'm sorry for the rain. I couldn't hear. Oh, okay. When are we going? We, we go the third week of July, um, and we stay a total. It's 10 days, we, uh, seven days on the reservation, and then we have travel time too. And as we get closer to that, I'll have flyers here at, at church and information and we have meetings and discuss what all goes on. Uh, the biggest problem that most of you would have is sitting on an outhouse hole where you can see what goes on in the hole and you can feel flies tickling your bottom. <laughs> so... Anybody else, anything you, you might want to ask? The reservation is huge, um, and it covers four states, little pieces of each state. The, the headquarters of the Navajo Reservation is in uh, Window Rock, Arizona, and uh, total population of the Navajo people is about 300,000. Now, where we go is um, 
It's an area that I would say probably about 20 square miles is kind of the area that we that we stay in, and it's primarily, uh, most of you haven't seen it, but there's a little brush. It's about that high. It's called sagebrush, and, um, oh, I got out of the camera view here. Uh, sagebrush everywhere, and rocks, uh, little outcroppings called mesas, and uh, very dry very hot in the summertime, um, but that's kind of what it's like. Anybody else? Yes, Angela. This is a friend of mine, Angela, who's been on the trip before. Yeah, thank you for bringing that up. Now, I have been accused of not doing any work, being the leader of the trip, and I video everything. Thirty, I have 30 years of video of every trip. Um, so, we, y'all, we, we do all kinds of stuff. We, um, I think three years ago, we tore down uh, a trailer... Uh, that was falling apart, and it had uh, rat nests. Uh, I mean, it, it was really nasty. Uh, it had been falling apart, and it took us a couple of days to tear that thing down, but that's every guy's dream is to tear something up. So you guys would love it, um, but yeah, we've done that. We've uh, we helped uh, build several churches. Uh, really hard physical work, and um, it, it's a uh, it's a very difficult trip, but it's very rewarding also. And we we have several people. In fact, if you've been, raise your hand. Um, there's Robin over there, and my friends back here. Um, We've had probably, I don't know, eight or ten people from Refuge that, that have gone with us. So, hope some of you will go with us this summer. All right, anybody else? Any thoughts or questions? Any comments? If you, anything you heard today? I'm glad you asked that. Um, The reservation has changed for the worse through the years. Uh, It's always been um, 
the statistics are the, uh, Native people are on the, the bottom of every statistic there is. Um, alcohol, drugs, abuse, um, just everything that you can imagine is worse. Gangs are, are bad now on the reservation. Now I'm going to scare everybody from, from going. Now, where we are is really safe because uh, the people know us so well. I have some Navajo friends that are in a gang. Uh, uh, I talked to a young man, uh, it's been a couple of months ago, and a rival gang did a drive-by, just sh- shot the house up that he lived in. He's 32 years old, and um, unemployment is just, uh, it's hard to find a job out there. Uh, So he lives with his parents. There's about 10 of them that live in a house, and there was a drive-by, and they shot the house up. Thank God no one was hurt. But um, drugs and alcohol are just rampant. It's everywhere on the reservation, and there's very little help. Um, There's nothing actually on the reservation. So if if a Navajo has an addiction... Uh, he would have to go to either Albuquerque or Farmington, New Mexico. Both of those are about 75 to 100 miles away. And that's the only place they could find help. So most of them don't have cars. The ones that are really struggling with addiction, they don't have cars. They can't drive. Uh, so they, uh, this, this one friend of mine, he calls me usually at least once a week, and uh, really hurting. He's got an addiction to drugs and alcohol. His brother, uh, I think January 4th was the anniversary, one year, this young man I'm talking about. His brother was uh, 34 and died of alcohol poisoning. Um, So uh, that's very typical. Um, And I've thought many times, we've had some people to go with us before that have experience in working with uh, addiction, and um, they got out there and they were really upset because you have a short amount of time, there's so many needs and there's not much that can be done. Uh, it's, a, it's a really sad, sad situation. So what we're able to do is we've established these friendships. We work through uh, a local church, and we're able to help in other ways. Uh, but, gosh, I, through the years, I've seen a number of Navajos die from addiction. Anybody else? We're just about time to quit here. Okay. Paul? Hey, y'all, thanks for um, letting me come and speak today. I know a lot of times we all love Scott, um, but... uh, Scott, I'm not through with you yet. 
Oh, no, I'm over it. I forgot. Uh, No, we love Scott, and God bless him for leading this church. But I'm also, I'm so thankful for the band. Gosh, what a great band we have who sacrificed their time to to play music for us and the crew back in sound and um, our leadership here, Paul being one of our elders, pastors, leaders. We have so many great people in this church. We are, are truly blessed beyond measure, and I'm so thankful to be a part of this church. Um, I had a bad experience in my old church that I'd been at for Gosh, 25 years, came here not knowing what to expect, and uh, not only is Scott my pastor, but he's my friend, too, and uh, we went to lunch this this past week, and uh, I really enjoy just hanging out with him because I get to harass him at lunch where I can't do it here, so... Uh, we sure got a good thing going here, y'all. So um, I'm thankful. And and leaders, GC leaders, uh, those who teach, uh, all the different things going on here. Gosh, we are blessed. Hey, I was going to ask you to pray for us, but I'm going to pray for you instead. Um, guys, thank you. Thank Larry for uh, sharing his heart with us today. Um, we are we are really fortunate to have uh, have Larry and his ministry here at a church our size be able to reach people like the Navajos uh, really has answered prayer for us but uh, I'm, I'm just thankful for Larry and your friendship to us and your leadership and your your service and you know at the end of every gathering we ask what we are and we all say missionaries and and what he's doing is is telling us stories of, of what it's like to really be a missionary in the everyday God's not necessarily asking us all to start a, a Navajo uh, mission, but he he is asking us to you know be nice to people when we cross paths with others, and, and we can do that, and that's not too hard. And, and if the love of Christ is in us, you know that's what it should look like for us. That's what the whole book of James is about. So uh, I'm going to pray for Larry, and I will continue worshiping God. I'm I'm so thankful that you love us so much to send us uh, missionaries. Um, to, to give us an example of what it looks like to love Jesus and to serve others. And I'm just thankful for Larry. I'm thankful for his heart for service. I'm thankful for the, the lives that he's impacted. Um, and God, I'm thankful for his humility as he goes about um, changing lives. He's not patting himself on the back and drawing a crowd to him, but he's just telling people about the love of Jesus. And that's what we're all called to do. And so I'm thankful for his, uh, his example for us. And, and Father, I just pray that um, you continue to guide his steps to uh, protect him, to, to bring people into his life um, for the good of him, for their good, uh, but ultimately that you're glorified and continue to be glorified through the work that he does. And I just pray uh, protection for him and for the, the people that serve with him. Father, I, I know other stories that Larry's told me and uh, lives that he comes across that aren't necessarily the safest guy, but you have put them in front of him and you have made him faithful to love and serve people. And I'm just thankful for that. And I'm thankful for him being a part of this family. And so, Father, I'm just thankful that you, uh, and I ask that you continue to be glorified through Larry and his work and through the work that he's helping lead here at Refuge Church. And Father, we love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.